Hey everybody, it's Pastor Chad. Today is Sunday, March 13th, 2022. Welcome to the way our R122 ministry live, the way radio live. It's good to be online with you guys. Um, today's message is entitled Battling Depression. And the reason I decided to preach on this is I've I've preached on anxiety quite a bit, and I think I've preached on depression in the past. Um, but uh, the issue of depression is probably the issue that I have been contacted about the most um, since I've been in ministry, especially through the Recovery Reformation ministry over the last seven or eight years. Um, depression, even I think more than addiction, and I think they're very closely related uh, depression and addiction, but it seems like depression is something that I've uh, been contacted the most about over the years. And last week I received a, a email from a gentleman who had heard me on Matt Slick's show a few years ago and is struggling with depression. And I thought, you know what, this is probably something that I should preach on because I do think, uh, I believe that after the last couple of years, what we've been dealing with uh, depression is very prevalent in our society. Uh, so I just wanted to address this topic today. So let's pray and we will get into the message. Heavenly Father, we thank you again that we're able to gather here together online at a distance and to uh, learn of you, to hear your word, uh, and to rejoice uh, in the salvation that we have through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I just ask that you would bless this message today, that it would go forth powerfully, that you would touch the hearts and the minds and the spirits of each person that hears it, and that you would do a mighty work through it. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of the sermon is Battling Depression. And one point that I did want to make right at the beginning is that most of this message is my own opinions from my own experiences in how I have personally have dealt with episodes of depression over the years, uh, what has worked for me, and what I have uh, seen work in the lives of others that I've worked in, worked with through ministry over the years. So this is not a clinical explanation of how to deal with, with depression. Um, many people might disagree with some of the things I say. That's fine. I'm just trying to share things that I have learned and things that have worked for me. And again, others that I have met and worked with and been friends with through ministry over the years, things that have worked for them. So a lot of this is, is personal opinion. And this isn't as much of a sermon as just putting out some points on how to deal with this topic. And again, like I said, depression is probably the issue that people have contacted me about the most over the years, even more than addiction. It seems that in all times, good or bad, depression has been a common problem for both believers and unbelievers. My favorite preacher, Charles Spurgeon, suffered from bouts of depression throughout his life. Spurgeon grew and matured through his times of darkness. Believers can either give in to depression, mask it with prescription drugs, or we can strive to overcome it, learn from it, grow and mature from the experience of it. Obviously, there are many causes of depression. Um, and I can't even, I mean, it's myriad, the, the ways, the things that can cause people to be depressed. Um, it can be economic situations. It can be 
um, problems within a family. It can be feelings of uh, failure or despondency. Depression comes from a lot of different directions. So there's, there's multiple causes of depression. One thing I do believe is that there is no silver bullet remedy to overcome depression. I do not think there is like some program you can work through or pill you can take or treatment that you can go through that's just going to get rid of depression. I do think that depression is part of humanity. I think because of the fall, because we abide in the flesh and our flesh is sinful, part of that is times of depression. Like I've said before, as, as Christians, we spend uh, times when we're on the, the peak of the mountain and we're basking in the glow of the Lord and everything is light and beautiful. And then we may go down for a time into a valley where there's darkness and we're trudging along and life is not all sunshine and roses. I think that is just part of human existence. It makes sense that depression is a common issue during these times, especially. Because of the two years long COVID hoax, people are either fearful of COVID-19 and angry at those who are not fearful of it, or fearful of the way COVID-19 has been used as a means of societal control and massive transfers of wealth, and angry at those who have per perpetrated the hoax and at those who have gone along with it. They've used the COVID hoax very well to divide society and create a lot of animosity, a lot of anger, a lot of hatred between those that have accepted the hoax and those that don't go along with it. And as Christians, we need to strive to not fall into that trap of division. That's what has been happening in America, especially for generations between the right and the left. They call it the right-left paradigm. And those that are trying to bring down America understand that an enemy divided against itself cannot stand. And that's what they are doing so well in America. I'll share with you an, a headline from the Epic Times just the other day. It said, I've never seen morale so low. U.S. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel on military life under vaccine mandates. So this man is a lieutenant colonel. He's been in the military for years. And he said he's never seen morale so low as it has been since they have tried to force vaccines on service people. That's how severe it is affecting people mentally and spiritually. Now, following on the hills of the COVID hoax, we are faced with daily news and images of war, destruction, suffering, and death coming out of Ukraine. The possibility of World War III and a crumbling fiat economy uh, currency economy as the federal government relentlessly hacks away at the God-given rights of people and the founding principles of America. There is indeed much to be depressed about if we allow ourselves to be affected and influenced by what is happening. It's shocking if you really just try to internalize everything that has gone on in the world the last couple of years and now the specter of what could happen very soon if things aren't brought under control in the world, if there are not some governmental changes in places like America and other places in the world where we have these, basically these dictators just doing everything they can to bring the populace to its knees. That can be very depressing to consider. There are instances where people are not as affected by societal issues as they are as affected by personal issues. 
that brings them into a state of depression. And there is belief that depression can be hereditary, that it's something that, that can be at a, uh, manifested from a biological level. That's a possibility as well. Medication may help if the cause of someone's depression is indeed a biological issue and caused by chemical imbalances, what they call clinical depression. I feel, and this again, this is a lot of my opinion today. I feel these cases are rare and way more damage than good is being done, at least from what I have witnessed myself, by attempting to treat a spiritual problem, problem through clinical pharmaceutical methods. I remember a man uh, who was coming to our church three or four or five years ago, uh, had spent years battling alcoholism. And when he was a teenager, he was in his late 30s, early 40s when, when I knew him and I was striving to help him and he was coming to our church. Uh, he was just a person that, that I guess you would explain it as he just moped around. He had no self-confidence. He was negative about everything. He hated his life. He hated the world. He didn't get along with his family. He was becoming just a horrible burden to them. He wasn't providing for his family in any way. And I couldn't figure out why nothing seemed to help this guy. We'd preach the gospel to him. We'd pray with him. We'd go to his house and do everything we can to try to lift his spirits. Nothing would help. I didn't realize I found out later on, his wife told me that he had been on psych meds since he, he was like 16 or 17 years old. And I'm convinced that those years of having those chemicals in his system had somehow completely altered and affected his ability to experience joy as a normal human being does. Again, that's just my opinion, but he's not the only one I've seen that happen to. I've seen many people in ministry over the years who, who are suffering horribly. And the only explanation is it's the long-term effects of psychotropic drugs on their system. And also, I've shared with you guys before, if you ever listened to my story, uh, the meds that I was prescribed did way more harm to me than good. When I left the cult of AA, I don't know, 17, 18 years ago, however long ago it was, I was a complete wreck. So uh, I ended up, I wasn't walking with Christ at the time, and I ended up going to psychiatrists, and they diagnosed me with uh, bipolar, ADHD, uh, manic depressive, OCD. Just I went to three or four different ones trying to find a solution, and they all had these different things that they labeled me with, and they started prescribing these meds. And the meds if I had kept going on them, would have probably killed me. They were so powerful. And by the, God's grace, I was able to flush those one day and overcome the things simply by God's grace and diving into his word and clinging to him prayerfully. And like I said before, the people that I've known who have been on psych meds for years were usually worse off than when they started the meds. And then also you have to ask yourself the question, is there any way to truly identify, measure, and quantify a chemical imbalance that supposedly causes depression? The last time I checked, there's not. So the point I'm trying to make here is like so much of our society now, instead of dealing with issues, instead of wrestling with them, instead of trying to work through them, everything is done with a quick fix. And again, it goes right back to money. My son and I often just, laugh, my, my wife as well, at, at these commercials that you'll see for drugs when they explain the side effects. And one of the most ridiculous ones that I see now is a side effect medication 
that people are now having to take because their their medication for depression is causing them uncontrollable facial music movements. So then they have to take a pill so their face isn't constantly twitching and moving. And then there are side effects to that that you have to medicate. So you see what I'm getting at. There has to be a better way to deal with these issues. And I feel very much that the spiritual side of it is being heavily neglected. And again, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. This is my own opinion from my own experiences. Now, the modern church has left people mostly stranded and unarmed against such a chaotic, uncertain, and such evil times that we live in now. Amusement and entertainment have put smiles on churchgoers' faces for a couple of hours each week for many years now. But now those smiles are fading as darkness spreads over the world and the happily entertained in the showbiz of church are unarmed and unprepared for battle and possess no weapons to fend off the attacks from the dark side. So either they move further into a false sense of well-being or grow depressed because of their growing confusion and uncertainty. And we're seeing this a lot in modern Christianity right now. People are floundering because they have spent generations going to church and hearing nothing biblical, nothing of the gospel. They have not been armed for the attacks that they are facing now. And we're starting to see the damage of that in what I call the visible church, not just I, it's, it's known as the visible church versus the true church, the invisible church of God. People are floundering. I have seen many people that I have known personally in the Reformed church over the last few years, either slide away into addiction, slide down into depression, completely turn away and walk away from the faith because they just weren't armed to face these battles that we're facing. And the reason I bring that up is because humanity, for some reason, we, we, we like to exist in extremes. And in Christianity, the one is extreme is to just make uh, Christian faith into a circus, like the Bethel movement and the uh, prosperity gospel and the charismatic movement. And then we've got the other side of it, the far right, I guess you could say, that is just hyper-diligent, totally concerned with apologetics, obsessed with just doctrine as perfect as they, they think it should be, with no tolerance for anybody that's not at that level of understanding yet. And I'm seeing damage on both sides. And again, my opinion. So regardless of the cause of depression, the questions are, the question is, how do we overcome it? For me, myself, it has been through a variety of changes over the years, adding things to my life that are positive and removing things that are nev negative and which might feed depression. Folks, this sounds really bad, but I will tell you, I have much more joy, much more happiness, and much more peace in my life since I left full-time ministry. I was, so I, I, I was so disillusioned with the state of modern Christianity that I was just always in a state of, um, I just, I didn't have peace. I just wasn't comfortable being involved in ministry to the depth that I was. I didn't feel like I was on the right path. And again, this is just my own experience. And now that I've stepped back 
and I'm still heavily engaged. I preach every Sunday. I try to send out newsletters as much as time allows. I'm doing everything I can to help the pastors that we work with in Kenya. But I also have the business that I'm running. And it seems to have given me a sense of balance and an outlet that has really provided that fulfillment that I was missing. And it really just came down to, I was just really disillusioned with what the, the, the modern church had become. And I didn't like being a part of it. I felt like I was getting into something that wasn't biblical. And that could, that could be a whole story that I could get into. But again, this is just my own experiences. But what I've learned is we must accept where we are and who we are to get to where we want to be and, and be to who we are meant to be. Many people spend their lives in denial of their circumstances and never actually live. This is so common in our world, especially nowadays when, when people, uh, when society is idolizing multimillionaires and sports stars and so-called artists in the entertainment industry. And they want to be that so much that they will spend their entire life not accepting who they are, where they are, what's going on in their own life, because they're so obsessed with what they want to be. And you get to the end of your life and you think, I never lived it because I was trying to do something else. I was trying to be something else. But I think one of the things we learn as we grow older is if you want to be somewhere else, you have to accept where you are. There's nothing wrong with wanting to grow and improve and make yourself a better human being. But you're not going to do that if you're not willing to start from where you're at. And that takes acceptance of where you're at. Something else I've seen is that modern society crushes the spirit of the individual in so many ways. And we need to be the individual that we were created to be, not who society claims we should be, but who God created us to be. We need to be who Christ wants us and created us to be. John 21, 22 says, Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. It's one of my favorite verses of scripture because he's, he's saying to Peter, don't worry about John, you follow me. You have your own individual work to do. You are your own individual person. Nobody else is specifically like you. John is different. And I think we all need to strive for that individuality and make it our goal to find out who Christ truly wants us to be. There's a, a, an acronym that I like. It's, it's GIGO, G-I-G-O, which means garbage in, garbage out. If you put garbage in to yourself, most likely garbage is going to come out. The, the, the reverse of that is uh, good, gar, uh, good in, good out. If we put good things into ourselves, good things are going to come out of ourselves. Mark 7, 21 through 22 says, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. If that's what your heart is full of, that's what your life is going to manifest. If we fill our hearts with the ways of God, with the love of Christ, that's what's going to pour forth from us. Can you be in a depressed state if that's what you're striving for? As a Man Thinketh is a book by James Allen written in 1903. 
And an explanation of that book, a synopsis is the aphorism, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, not only embraces the whole of man's being, but is so comprehensive as to reach out to every condition and circumstance of his life. A man is literally what he thinks, his character being the complete sum of all his thoughts. Now, since 1903, when he wrote this, like everything else, it's been taken to extremes, and people believe that if you fill your, your daily life with, with positive affirmations, that you're going to manifest and have wealth and success and everything else. I don't think that's what he was alluding to. We're talking about a state of mind, the condition of the heart. What you put into it, what you think about, is what will come forth from you. We should be striving to live with purpose and meaning. One of my favorite quotes, it's right here on, on one of my tables in my office. I tape certain things that I really love around my office to, to remind me and, and help me to meditate on these things. But one of these quotes says, once I press myself into action, I immediately begin to live. Anything less is merely existing. The moments I truly live are the moments when I act with my entire will. That's a quote from Oswald Chambers. And I love that quote because I can relate to it so much. I always feel most alive when I have a purpose, a goal, a challenge, something that I'm working towards. It fills me with energy and vibrancy and life. I've never been able to accept the idea that I was going to reach a point in my life where I would be what's called retired. And I would just settle back, you know, watch TV or play golf or whatever. I'm not, again, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm telling you my own personal views and outlook on these things. But I love that quote because it's so true. Once I press myself into action, once I'm engaging in life, I immediately begin to live. Anything less is merely existing. The moments I truly live are the moments when I act with my entire will. What an awesome quote that is from Oswald Chambers. And he wrote a, a devotional. And for some reason, I can't remember the name of it right now. I've got it here in my, uh, my utmost for his highest, I think is the name of his devotional. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. The last couple of weeks, I've, uh, I really don't spend a lot of time on Facebook anymore. And when I do, I really just try to, to, to look at things that are positive and uplifting. And anything that's not, I either just unfollow or delete it or whatever. But something did come across where somebody had posted a quote, a Christian, stating that if you weren't raising your children up to be engaged in full-time ministry, working in the church, their lives would be wasted. I thought, wow. Pardon me for being crass, but what an idiot. You don't have to be in a church to be engaged in ministry. I believe every Christian is engaged in ministry. So what did I do? I just don't follow that person or I unfriend them because I don't want that negativity. That is so negative and paints such a, a bad picture of Christianity. Whatever we engage in can be to the glory of God. If you're making birdhouses and you're doing it to the best of your ability, and you're trying to glorify God through it, praise the Lord, you're doing a ministry work. You see what I mean? That's why he says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That's why I love having being engaged in business again. 
because I get to, to dive in and create something and build something. And I really missed that when I was engaged in ministry full time. Again, my own way of looking at things, my own <laughs> opinion. So if it offends you, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to help anybody that might be struggling through things that I struggled through. Two other quotes that I have hanging in my office are attention and focus are the raw materials of human creativity and flourishing. One of the most satisfying experiences I believe a person can have is razor sharp attention and focus. Being so engaged in a task that you're just focused on that task and the world goes away. That is so difficult nowadays because our phones are constantly interrupting us. They're either beeping or ringing or whatever. We're being distracted and drawn away into social media, whatever it is. But attention and focus, as he says, are, are, are the raw materials of human creativity and flourishing. And the last quote I'll share with you from my office is from a man named Adam Grant. He says, success and happiness belong to people who can control their attention. These are all things that have helped me go, overcome bouts of depression. And again, I'm just trying to give you guys a taste of things that I've experimented with, that I've tried, that have worked for me over the years and have worked for others that I know. Try to emulate Christ's teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. Just read Ma Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Read through the Sermon on the Mount and pray to the Lord to show you how you can implement the things Christ is talking about and teaching in the Sermon on the Mount into your own life to provide opportunities to live that way. And you will find that your spirits are lifted. Love and care for others. Matthew 7, 12 says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. I'd have to say that the, the, the big example that the Lord has given me to teach me this is my wife, Lori. She is a beautiful example of this, what they call the golden rule. She just amazes me at how she just automatically has a heart to become interested in the lives of others and to help people that are suffering through issues. In the job that she does, she is a, a liaison between delivery drivers who are under just a radical amount of pressure each day. They're expected to, to perform at a very high level beyond really what their capacity is. And if they don't reach those levels, it costs them. And she's the liaison between them and the company. And it amazes me because just about every evening when she comes home, she'll share a little bit about what each of these person, this guy's going through a divorce. This person has a kid who's dealing with a drug issue. This person's uh, parent is dying. She knows the story of each one of them. It's, it's mind blowing. Last week she came home and she said, um, she, I forget how she phrased it, but she was in line at a store. She was, she was getting something for our business and the woman in front of her um, could not find her wallet. She was going through a purse. She couldn't find her wallet. She was extremely embarrassed. And she told the lady, can you just hold it? I'm probably going to have to run home and come back in an hour or so and get everything. And my wife said, you know, I think I did the right thing. I just told her, don't worry about it. I'll cover it. You know, and I thought it's probably $5. I said, well, how much was it? She said it was like 22 or $25. So that's not a, Real expensive amount, but it's substantial. My wife doesn't know this woman, and she just paid it. But the thing that she thought was really cool is, is the lady thanked her, and then when they got in the parking lot, they had a discussion. 
I think she said it turned out that they were both, you could tell they were both believers, you know, and, and the lady said, God bless you when she left. But my wife does that all the time. And she wasn't telling me about it to brag. She was just sharing it with me because I'm her husband, but she's constantly doing that. And she doesn't have to try. It's just who she is. And I was thinking about it last week. I thought, man, she is accomplishing more. That's her ministry. She doesn't even realize it in, in that than so many who are engaged in full-time ministry. It's beautiful. And she's been a great blessing to me because by nature, I am a very selfish Look out for number one. That's my 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 nature. And that's what I've had to struggle to overcome for years as a Christian is to, to turn away from that type of behavior that I had really intensely when I was younger and to be a better, kinder, loving person. And she's God just given me a great example in her. So try to love and care for others. And that cannot help but lift your spirits. Be creative. This is a huge one for me. We have our business going that I've talked to you guys about, elephantwalk.net, uh, which is a huge blessing. We're importing items that, that we we design a lot of them, and, and they make them for us in Kenya, and we import them. But now we're, we're launching a new branch of the business very soon, and these are all things that we're creating. My wife and I are, have both been blessed with, with creative abilities, and the Lord is allowing us to... Uh, led us into creating new things for our business. And it's just an awesome blessing. I love creative pursuits and it always lifts my spirits. It gives me that razor sharp focus and takes me out of the negativity of this world. Take on a challenge. You know, it's such a, a cool thing to see something that you need to strive to overcome or something you want to achieve and you tackle it with your full will. Take on a challenge and depression will lessen. This is a huge practical one. Reject social media. And this sounds bad coming from a pastor. Reject social media, especially Christian social media. And again, this is my own opinion from my own experience. But I can tell you some of the meanest people that I have encountered in my entire life have been on Christian social media. I have never gone through such abuse and attacks and vilification as I have through Christians on social media. It's just, it's mind blowing. There was literally, when I was more engaged on Facebook, there was literally a guy that every time I would post a sermon or whatever, his response was, why would I listen to you when there's a book about that? Why would I listen to you when this guy already talks about it? I mean, it was literally just jab after jab after jab. And I and I one day I went to his Facebook page and he's, you know, he's got the solas and all this Christian stuff on his page. I was unfriend. I don't need that. I thought, why do you want to exist like that? But that is so common on social media, especially in the Christian circles. I'll be honest with you. I, I go on Facebook and I post my sermons because I pray they're a blessing to anybody that wants to listen to them. But if I'm ever just scrolling through Facebook, it's mostly art, and things that are positive. As soon as I see something negative, unfollow or unfriend, I don't need it. And people say, well, it's good to, you know, to share scripture and, and Christian things on social media. We don't need it. We've got the Bible. It's worked fine for over 2,000 years at sustaining the people of God. We don't need social media for Bible verses and everything else. Again, it's just my own opinion. Do what you want. Turn off the TV. Programs are designed to program. TV just 
destroys minds. Much of what we're suffering through in the world today is because of years of programming through television. Diet, eat to live rather than live to eat. Folks, our foods are so toxic nowadays, it's unbelievable. It's absolutely mind-blowing. You know, one thing my wife and I start the day with every day is that we, we go to Winco and you get these 20 or 25 pound bags of carrots, a huge bundle of carrots for like 10 or 12 bucks. We juice every morning and try to eat as healthy as possible. And that affects your mood. Our food is killing us. So live to eat rather than eat to live. Again, this next one, you're not going to like. It's my opinion, but you already know it's my opinion. Reject modern Christianity. I do not listen to hardly anybody except Charles Spurgeon. I love reading Spurgeon. I love reading Augustine. I love reading the, all about the history of the church. But I stay away from modern Christianity. Again, because for me personally, it was mostly just negativity and backbiting. And infighting in, in between de denominations. I just thought, I'm just tired of this. I don't want it anymore. I remember a man that that I that I was friends with quite a few years ago. He lives in a, another area of the United States, but he was he's very uh, uh, he spent his life setting up missions all over the world. And he told me he goes years ago. He said back in the the 70s or the 80s. He's like in the 60s or 70s now. He said I finally told my lead pastor. He, he said I, I just come back from a conference and I told him I'm not doing this anymore. He said, it's a waste of time. It's everybody's just latest ways of how we're going to do church. And he said, I'm not doing conferences anymore. He just did his own ministry. And for me, I'm much happier doing that. So for me personally, I just reject most of what I, I call modern Christianity. Reject cultural norms and standards. Don't be pigeonholed into what society tells you you need to be. And the reason I'm sharing all these with you guys is they all, I believe, just add a little bit to depression if you're already in that type of a, of a condition. And again, social media makes everybody compare themselves against everybody else. People use these, these apps to take a photo of themselves and make them look way better than they actually do. And then the people that look at it go, wow, I don't look that good. So they get bummed out on themselves. And people post pictures like their life, like they're living like a multi-million dollar movie star all over the world. But it's not the truth of the reality of their lives. But everybody compares themselves that way. <coughs> so reject cultural norms and standards. Read beautiful literature. Read books written years ago by real deep thinkers. Read beautiful literature. Not the modern stuff that's just pulp fiction. But read things like War and Peace, The Depth of Thought, A Tale of Two Cities by Dickens, absolutely beautiful work. Read stories like that and, and you just start thinking, wow, they had such a fresh, clear perspective on things. Read Tolkien's work. His fantasy work is absolutely amazing. Just beautiful. Again, and this, this, this won't work for everybody. This is how I've overcome these things myself. Most importantly, read God's word. If you're depressed, read God's word and focus on the Psalms. Some of the Psalms are just so powerful and so uplifting. Enjoy art. I believe that true art has a spark of the divine. 
I've always loved art. I have art books. And sometimes if I'm just wanting to relax and just sort of chill, I'll just grab one of my books of Rembrandt or Da Vinci or Monet or just art in general and just flip through the pages. And it's just amazing what people can create when they really focus. Meditate and quiet the mind. This one is huge for me. I have a very hyperactive mind. I will spend entire nights just thinking and I wake up exhausted. I've had to learn how to meditate and to quiet my mind. And one, you know, people, especially the reform people get mad when I say it. I learned very much before I really came back and started working and walking with the Lord. I became very into uh, Zen Buddhism. And obviously worshiping Buddha is wrong, but Zen in itself can teach you a lot about living very simply and very mindfully and clearing your mind of, of just distraction and noise. And that's been a great blessing to me. So meditate, quiet the mind, meditate on the Lord, the gospel, the Trinity. This helps Spurgeon a lot. He's written about it. He said one of the things that lifted his spirits more than any other was his meditating on the doctrine of the Trinity, just considering how the Trinity works in the message of the gospel, works in our salvation, brings us to glory with, with Christ. He would meditate on those things when he was going through times of depression. Be active and vibrant. Be active and vibrant, lively. Strive to live that kind of a life. Think young. Be a kid. Be a contradiction to cultural norms on aging. This is absolutely huge. Sometimes my wife and I, we, you know, we mostly work out of the house. We'll be eating lunch and the TV will be on. And the commercials just blow me away because they're just programming people to think at 50, you know, you got to start watching out for this. At 60, you got to start watching out for this. At 70, you got to start watching out for this. You got to take this drug. You got to do this. Reject all that. Reject cultural norms on aging. Think young. Be a kid. That will help you so much. I just, this is again, this is an article from the Epic Times this last week. The title of the article is Running at 59, Marathoning at 90. Just ask Stelios Process. Process was born in 1931 in Athens. Last year, he was one of some 30,000 participants who ran in the Athens Marathon. He took the same route that was followed by Pheidippides, the herald who brought news. I probably slaughtered that Greek name, so apologize me. Uh, so pardon me. The herald who brought news of a battle victory from Marathon to Athens during the Persian Wars in 490 BC. Prassus was 90 years old when he ran this marathon. Prassus told the Greek reporter that he has the mindset and fitness level of a teenager. He listens to what his body and heart tell him, he said. He grew up playing soccer barefoot on the streets of a very different looking Athens, but he didn't start running marathons until he was 59 years old. Exercising, eating a plant-based, mostly vegetarian diet, and feeling a deep appreciation for his wife all bring him joy. He says, the moment I go to, to work out, Process told the reporter, I feel great love that fills my heart. I feel so much happiness. How contrary is that to the way our society views aging? You see what I'm saying? Don't buy into it. Reject it. Do the opposite. I especially love that one because I'm going to be 58 in, in, a, in a month or two. And 
I very much have no desire <laughs> to, to age. I'll push back against it as long as I can. I'll tell you every year, you know, the American associations of retired people send this pan this, this package that I should fill out and join art. You know, the first thing I do is I just throw it in the trash. I, yeah. I could get discounts on things. I don't want to buy into the mindset even a little bit. Reject it. Live like a kid until the day you die. There's nothing wrong with that. For men, I believe men are made for battle. Engage in battle. Think about it. When, when, when I was a kid, I remember me and my friends always just playing cowboys and Indians, army. Men love the idea of engaging in battle for a good cause. I think it's part of our nature and it, it helps us. It gives us uh, a vibrancy that is so lacking in our sterile society now where everybody's just supposed to fall into line, do what you're told, don't question, don't fight back. That's why I hated the mask mandate so much. I never went along with them from day one. I would refuse to put on a mask because I knew it had nothing to do with you know, COVID. It was a sign of submission. I thought, I won't submit. No way. Obviously, if there was really a threat, I would put on a mask, but there was none. And I wasn't going to do it just because I was told to do it. And I know a lot of people have felt the same way. Men are made for battle. Engage, engage in battle. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14 says, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. This is another one that I firmly believe in. Be a traveler in life and not a tourist. This is something I've really thought about a lot over the years, being a traveler rather than rather than a tourist. And this really started, uh, I really started thinking a lot about this when I was living. I, I've lived all over the world. I've been blessed to be able to do so. I've traveled to multiple countries. And I remember living in Japan. And one day I saw this tour bus go by and all these tourists sitting in there with their cameras and everything. and. Uh, you know, the tour guides just pointing out all the sites in Tokyo or whatever. And I thought, wow, I I've lived in this city, Tokyo. I have friends here. I know the streets in and out. I love this place. Those people have paid all this money to come here to go on this tour. They'll probably never even touch the asphalt. And they'll never really know what it's about. They can say they've been here, they've seen some things, but they'll never know what it's about. And that's the difference between a tourist and a traveler. Just like in Kenya, I've been able to live in Kenyan homes, my son and I both, to live with Kenyan families, to be in, the, to be in all these different areas where tourists never go. You know, I know in one of the travel books that I read, <coughs> they said, you know, just don't even bother going to Kisi, just skip it. It's a dump. Downtown Kesey is a busy, dirty, bustling place. But the guy that wrote that book doesn't live there. He had no idea that very close, if you go down these certain areas, there are beautiful rivers. There are areas there that tourists will never know about. But travelers will learn about. And you can apply that to life. Savor life rather than just existing. Get your feet on the ground, get dirty and dusty and sweaty rather than just looking at life through a tour bus window or a TV screen. Be a traveler in life and not just a tourist passing through. I think you get the point I'm trying to get across there. 
And the last one, and it's so important, is live with gratitude. Psalm 50, 23 says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his, as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. And Psalm 30, 11 and 12 says, You have turned from me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed, clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. God tells us the sacrifice I want is a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Think of the power of that. The sacrifice that the Lord requires of us is a sacrifice of gratitude. So that means he's giving us the permission to be joyful and grateful and blissful in him and to praise him with that gratitude. If that's what you're striving for, you can't be depressed. You see? Now, again, I'm going to reiterate the point. These are my opinions. These are my own views. These are things that I've used in my own life that have worked for me. And I can tell you, my life has, has always been a bit of a struggle. It's always been tight financially. Like I said, ministry just wasn't what I anticipated it to be. But now it's become a, a huge blessing to me over the last couple of years. But these are things that have brought me through. Do I go through times of depression? Yeah. There are times when, you know, you just wake up and you just look at, you've got the same issues you had to deal with this, the day before, the same struggles you got to overcome. And you just think, I'm just so tired. I don't want to do it today. That's fine. Walk, walk through that. But if you put these things to mind, and you try to implement some of these things in your life, I don't think anybody would argue the point that they're not going to hurt you. They're not going to depress you. They will work in some way in a positive manner. So just consider that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, again for your word, your truth. And Lord, I thank you so much uh, that you tell us that the sacrifice you want from us is a sacrifice of thanksgiving. What an awesome thing to consider that is. And I just pray that in the coming week, everybody that hears this message would be blessed with a greater sense of gratitude, that we would uh, just consider you and your attributes and your word, the message of the gospel, the beauty of the, the, of the face of Christ, and that we would seek to be conformed more to his image, and that we would rise above the things that this world tries to trap us in. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you guys get a chance, please visit our website at elephantwalk.net. If I can get this screen to change. There we go. Uh, elephantwalk.net. Uh, like I said, we've got a new site, a new shop online that's going to be opening in the next couple of weeks. I'll share that with you guys when it comes about. And if you'd like to visit us on the web, you can do so by going to the way r122.org. You can listen to the podcast of every message at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Just search for the way radio in the search field. You can find us on rumble at the way r122. Uh, that's where the sermons are published either Monday or Tuesday after I preach them on Sunday. And if you could, please consider supporting the ministry. And you can do so by just going to the way r122.org and going to the donate page. All right. Thanks so much, you guys. God bless you. We'll be back here next week. God willing. Same time, same place.